When a delegation came from Jerusalem to question John the Baptist, John denied being the Messiah and identified himself as the Messiah's forerunner, preparing his way. Uh, John stressed his, his subservience to the Messiah. When Jesus came to John to be baptized, John identified him as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus' baptism had revealed to, John's, to John Jesus' identity as the Messiah, the Son of God. Now that's a background, that's the setting for what we're going to be looking at today in terms of John the active witness. So you want to keep that in mind as we go to our first question. What's the best sales pitch you've ever heard? Cassandra. Hmm? Buy one, get one free. Oh, Coke is in. Huh? Coke is in. Buy one, get one free. Buy one, get one free, okay. Which one are you doing? We're doing Andrew. Andrew. Yeah. yeah, Andrew, active witness, yeah. Yeah, it's Andrew. Yeah. 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 Don't talk about John. The huh? next, these Jesus. verses don't say John. Something with um. Oh. Not, not that Andrew isn't in it, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm somewhere at John. Yeah, we're 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 doing uh, Andrew, reactive in this, but that that setting is, is speaking about John. Yeah. And um, okay. okay. Sales pitch when someone sells you a car. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but both both Pepsi and Cola, Coca Cola had two sales pitch. Coke is it? Oh yeah. Coke is it? And then Pepsi pours it on. Okay. <laughs> from Pepsi and Coke that I can okay. some kind of good sales mm. pitch. Any other um, best sales pitch you've ever heard? Larry got the tourists coming to my head everybody, honey, can I sell you something? Everybody said, oh my God. Or well, they always say, you're beautiful. They say, you all have the best sales pitch I've ever heard. I can't stop with buying something for people. <laughs> 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 okay, look at the um, Bible meets life. Let's look at that. What 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 will it take to put you behind here today? Buy a car is an uncomfortable experience for most people. You feel the pressure of walking around the same spot. <coughs> test driving cars and then sitting down with a salesperson who goes back and forth to check with the sales manager on the final points of negotiations. A lot of our, our discomfort comes in knowing that the salesperson, no matter how good he or she may be at small talk, has one goal in mind, closing the deal. Many Christians use evangelism in the way, except they are the sales people. They think they must do everything they can to move a person from point A to point B. Closing the fake deal, they report. Andrew Clay stood against this philosophy. Virtually every time we see someone in the gospel, he is introducing someone to Jesus. Andrew knew that the true power of evangelism comes not with pers persuasive arguments from us, but simply in providing an introduction to Jesus. That's because Jesus is more than capable of bringing the rest. 
Okay. So we see here that um, Andrew was always, it says Andrew was always uh, introducing someone to Jesus. You know anybody like that? Anybody? Sister Brenda. Oh, <laughs> Sister Brenda, eh? <laughs> yeah, Andrew is that kind of person. Uh, mostly known um, Billy Graham. Billy Graham, okay. Okay, so what's the point? Christ centered living chooses invitation, not indifference. Okay, Christ centered living chooses invitation, not indifference. And many times people choose indifference uh, rather than invitation. People are judged. Uh, by outward appearances and uh, the result is often indifference rather than invitation in some cases and sometimes a lot of cases. Okay, let's look at the first uh, paragraph, first scripture we have, uh, John chapter 1 verse 35 to 42. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher. Well, <clears throat> where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated to Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Okay, let's continue reading the paragraphs beneath. <coughs> Andrew is one of the two disciples present when both do. When John the Baptist testified that Jesus was the Lamb of God. That statement was enough for Andrew and his companion, who was probably John, the one who wrote this gospel. Although they had been followers of John the Baptist, they went with Jesus to hear what he was teaching. After these two disciples spent several hours with Jesus, Andrew merged with him two changing confessions. We have found the Messiah. Let's not miss the gravity of this statement. For generations upon generations, God's people have been waiting on the Chosen One, the Messiah. The people had come to believe that the Messiah would be a political leader whom God would raise up to throw off the oppression of the Roman government. At this point, Andrew most likely had no idea that he, like anyone else, was in grasping God's true intentions. The Messiah would not deliver the people in a political way. He would do something far better, rather than merely saving the people from Rome 
he would save the people from their sin and death. Okay, next page. <clears throat> Nevertheless, the first thing Andrew did when he knew he found the Messiah was to go to his brother Simon and invite him to come and see Jesus also. In fact, almost every time you see Andrew in the gospel, he was doing the same thing, inviting people to see Jesus. Notice that Andrew offered no clear pitch or persuasive argument, just a simple invitation for Simon to come and encounter Jesus for himself. There's a sweet kind of freedom in Andrew's action. In order for us to find, feel that same freedom of invitation, two things must be true about us. We must sincerely love those closest to us without expectation. Exception. Without exception. The best thing we can offer our loved ones is Jesus. People might not know it. They might not even like it. But if we truly love those closest to us, then we are responsible to invite them to encounter the one who is for that eternal good. Who is for their eternal good. We must believe Jesus is truly compelling. Based on his own encounter with Jesus, Andrew was convinced that Jesus was truly compelling on his own. He had no need for a clear presentation for or sales job. He only needed to make an introduction, and then Peter would see him, would see for himself. Okay, so we get two bullet points there. Uh, and we notice Andrew is also says, notice that Andrew offered no clever pitch, a persuasive argument. Okay. And we also notice that Andrew, uh, the first thing uh, we notice about Andrew, he's, he was also always introducing someone to Jesus. The two bullet points we have there is we must sincerely love those closest to us. See that? Without exception. The best thing we can offer our loved ones is Jesus. That's the best thing we can offer them because that's for eternity. All right. And then the second point says we must believe Jesus is truly compelling. And we see that based on his own encounter with Jesus. Andrew was convinced that Jesus was truly compelling on his own. He had no need for a clever sales pitch or clever presentation you know they can sell people can sell us all kinds of stuff but they have to come with a clever sales pitch uh, for Andrew he didn't need a clever sales pitch okay Jesus was compelling on his own and so we need to remember that when we encounter individuals and we want to introduce them to Jesus you don't need to come up with a clever sales pitch just be straightforward I'd like you to meet Jesus have you never met him before do you know him? Have you heard about him? Let me tell you about him. And Jesus will do the rest. He's compelling on his own. And all we need to do is see what he has done during a short lifespan on earth. And that is compelling enough. Okay, so it's interesting to focus on those 
last two uh, paragraphs there that, that those bullet points. Question number two. How did someone introduce you to Jesus? Anybody want to share? Sylvia. I don't know. <coughs> I don't know. <coughs> the very first time that I got deep into deep. I mean, younger I would have been introduced but, to Jesus, but this one is the book when I was a young teenager and I used to have DDS and I then attended the Baptist Church on Zion on Sherman Street and they used to have vacation Bible school. And and when I first learned how to memorize scripture passages, and there was a passage we had to learn was the story that deals with the Good Samaritan, and this was in Luke. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that one, but he willing to justify himself. Who was thy neighbor? That one. That was a passage we had to learn from memory. Mm -hmm. And that came alive to me. And it stayed with me. I could still remember that passage if I had to, you know, mm -hmm. to say it again. I take it. I would say at that particular time, we as a group, it was introduced to me. Okay. As VBS. Okay, so VBS. Anybody else? <coughs> How does someone introduce you to I Jesus? Was, I was introduced to Jesus through the life of my parents mm -hmm. and also through life of missionaries that came from Ohio and Michigan mm -hmm. to live in our settlement of Cairns, Long Island. And they lived there for a number of years. The Fords, the Flowers, the Prices. Um, they were missionaries from Ohio and Michigan that lived in Long Island. And they introduced many of us to Jesus at a very young age. Okay. Good. I was introduced by a family that lived in my neighborhood. Uh, they befriended me and uh, spent a lot of time at their home. Uh, but that was, it was quite interesting uh, to see how a Christian family lived. Uh, so that's how I was introduced uh, to Jesus. Okay, question number three. What can you learn from the examples of John the Baptist and Andrew in this passage? Okay, look at the passage again. What can you learn from John the Baptist and Andrew based on the passage we just read? Anything stand out? They were able to identify the truth and the life of Christ. Okay. Jesus. They saw that he was completely different from any other human mankind that they had ever encountered here on earth. Okay. And they believe in him and they follow him. Mm -hmm. Okay, anybody else? You just need to introduce Jesus. Huh? You just need to introduce Jesus. Okay, we can learn that from them that we just need to introduce Jesus. Anybody else? And um, John wasn't jealous of Jesus, but Andrew burns Jesus. He just let him go. Okay. Very good. Because remember, he said he must increase and I, and I must decrease. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we saw from the bullet list the two things that uh, uh, must be true of us uh, when we experience freedom of invitation, uh, the kind of freedom that and Andrew had. Um, as we jump to John 12, 
We'll see, we'll see another incident in which Andrew invites others to meet Jesus. So let's look at that other verse. John chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. Now some Greeks were among those who went up to worship at the festival. So they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and requested of him, Sir, we want to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Okay, good stuff right there. Uh, all right, when we look at those verses, we see uh, an invitation of those seeking answers to encounter Jesus. Uh, verse 20, the same shifts uh, to the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry. Jesus had made his royal entry to Jerusalem. Present in Jerusalem were some Greeks. These were not Greek-speaking Jews, but Gentiles. An alternate suggestion is that they were literal Greeks and may have come from uh, Decapolis, ten cities in an area east of the Jordan River. They may have been proselytes and, and or they may have been God-fearers. Proselytes were non-Jews who had attached themselves to Judaism. They underwent baptism and the males were circumcised. Proselytes also offered sacrifices in Jerusalem, in the Jerusalem temple for forgiveness of their sins, like the, the other believers did. They could not become full Jews, but could be a part of the Jewish community. God-fearers, as they were called, were Gentiles who were attracted to Judaism. Some went on to become proselytes, but some males refused to undergo the circumcision because some proselytes, uh, they refused to undergo the circumcision. Uh, quite possibly, many of these attached to and involved in Judaism had made their way to Jerusalem for Passover. The Gentiles had come to worship and they bowed the knee in reverence to God, as many believers did. And the festival was the Passover. Okay. So let's look at um, the paragraphs beneath that verse. Let's see what else we learned from this encounter. During the Passover festival, Jewish people from all over the known world gathered in Jerusalem. Also among them were God-fearing Gentiles who had come to worship. Like many others, they wanted to see Jesus. We are told why these people approached Philip with their request, but it's interesting that Philip went and found Andrew. Maybe all the disciples had become accustomed to Andrew's introductions. They knew Andrew was never shy about introducing new people to Jesus, and here was another chance for him to do so. Like Andrew, we should always take the opportunity to connect others with Jesus, especially when the people seeking Jesus have genuine questions. Many of us have a problem though. We're rarely in places where we come into contact with people in whom the Spirit of God might be working. With our lives so full of people just like us, we may never have the opportunity to meet those who might have questions about life and faith. Questions only Jesus can answer. We must intentionally fight against that trend for the sake of the gospel. Mm 
We must intentionally put ourselves in situations where we know we will encounter people who are not Christians. Talk with your neighbors on a walk instead of being silent. Talk to the person next to you at the gym instead of using headphones. Talk with other parents at your kids' sporting events. These are some, these are simple choices we can make, but each one is driven by faith. We take these active steps because we believe God is constantly at work in us and throughout the world, and that we are chosen, we are God's chosen means to spread his message of good news. Okay. A uh, couple of things, we main points uh, we want to um, single out there. And the first one is, we aren't told why these people approach Philip at their request. But it's interesting that Philip went and found Andrew. Maybe all the disciples had become accustomed to Andrew's introductions. Okay, so Andrew had a reputation to the extent that whenever the other disciples had an encounter, they wanted to find Andrew to deal with. Like Andrew, second point is, like Andrew, we should always take the opportunity to connect with others especially uh, to connect with us like Andrew we should always take the opportunity to connect others with Jesus especially when the people seeking Jesus have genuine questions all right that's a good point for us like Andrew we should be like Andrew okay when people have uh, genuine questions so let me introduce you to someone who could really answer those questions, Jesus. And then thirdly, we must intentionally fight against that trend for the sake of the gospel. We must intentionally put ourselves in situations where we know we will encounter people who are not Christians. Okay, so we must intentionally put ourselves in situations the natural inclination is to stay away, right? <laughs> the suggestion here is we must intentionally put ourselves in situations where we know we're going to run into people who are not Christians. <laughs> okay? If we have that genuine desire as Andrew did and as John did in wanting to, uh, people to come to Christ. Okay, question number four. What questions might a non-believer have about Christ? Is he for real? <laughs> is he for real? Okay. Some I don't know. Who is Christ? Who is Christ? Okay. I got him. He is on him. He into this process anyway. And he had man been telling me, if okay, if he supposed to be alive, he ain't dead no more. Why you can't find this man? Why they can't find him? <laughs> And you know they believe the last year is Jesus Christ. I don't know. I didn't think about it. I just okay. Thinking. So what are the questions about a, a non-believer have about Christ? Mm -hmm. well, you know, I don't think they they just try. If everybody knows the Jesus, they'll be looking for excuses to do what they want to do. Yeah. Now there was a lady who, who we encountered one time. I don't know if she's being facetious or not, but um, we were out um, witnessing in the neighborhood. Um, well, it could be, it could have been genuine, because some of the people in the States don't know Jesus. <laughs> but um, 
the person who I was with asked the person, the lady, if she knew that Jesus died uh, for her sins. And um, she said she didn't even know Jesus was sick. <laughs> now, you know, <laughs> I think that's being facetious. Yeah. Right? Uh, trying to be yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Right? But you're going to run into people like that. How do you deal with that? Okay? You know, when we got back to our gathering and we were looking at these questions, you know, a lot of people laughed at it. You know, she couldn't have been serious. But because of some people are so ignorant to the truth of the gospel, she may have been serious. We don't yeah. know. She may have been serious. Okay. <laughs> As we'll see in verses 23 to 26, Jesus, Jesus' talk with the Greeks reveals some important truths about what it means to follow him. So let's look at that passage. John chapter 12, 23 to 26. Jesus replied to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains by itself. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it, and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. There I am. There my servant also will be. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Okay, let's look at the paragraphs beneath that now. Andrew, faithful to his character, introduced these people to Jesus. Interestingly, Jesus didn't ask them why they came to him or what questions they had. He didn't inquire about their social positions, their families, or their occupations. But he did provide a good deal of clarity about what it means to follow him. This is an important point today, or a point for today. When we think it's our chief aim to close the deal for potential Christians, we might be tempted to soften the reality of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Instead, we must be faithful to describe the Christian experience as Jesus did, encouraging would-be disciples to count the cost. Following Jesus is a pathway to self-denial. In these verses, Jesus described his own death as a gain, as a grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. But when it produces a large but then it produces a large crop. If we would follow Jesus and invite others to do the same, we must recognize that he calls us to do this to the same life of self-denial he lived. In Jesus' words, we must hate our lives in this world. And then secondly, following Jesus is the pathway to life. True enough, we will lose things as we follow Jesus. Following him will cost us relationships, ambitions, and possessions. But everything we may lose pales in comparison to what we certainly gain. True life, true joy, and true satisfaction. And thirdly, following Jesus is the pathway to 
been with Jesus? Why does following Jesus lead to life? Because following Jesus is the pathway to being with Jesus. At the same time, we need to remember there's no such thing as a casual relationship with Jesus. He is Lord of all and nothing less. Okay, so we want to keep those thoughts in mind, right? He is Lord of all and nothing less. That's the main thing we need to remember. Okay, question number five. Last question. How would you describe the challenges and benefits of following Christ? First of all, let's look at the challenges. How would you describe the challenges of following Christ? What? Huh? Dealing with teenagers? <laughs> okay. Being forsaken by others who don't believe. Okay. Being forsaken by others who don't believe or losing friendships. I remember when I got saved, I had a good friend and he decided he didn't want to be my friend no more. All right, because I got saved and he wasn't ready to get to make that change in his life. Okay, so that's one of the challenges. And, and guess what? Whenever I pass him on the street, if I was driving uh, on the street and he was passing me, he would look the other way. He would literally turn his head and look the other way. All right? Um, but I haven't seen him in a long time. I, I don't even know if he's still living or dead. Uh, but, huh? Prayed for him, yeah. Uh, and what was interesting was he was the one who took me to church wow. <laughs> for the first time. <laughs> but he wasn't saved. <laughs> he wasn't saved. But you know, even in going on with the Lord, you might have a friend. But when you get a close to walk with the Lord, their friend, and they, their friend just dismissed. Mm -hmm. Because you see a different road and a different light. Mm -hmm. And... and, and they don't appreciate you, you know? Yes. That's right. Okay, what are the challenges we have in... Uh, uh, what, are we, what are the challenges do we encounter other than losing friends? Sometimes family. Family, okay. You lose family. Yeah. All right. Um, a person do does, would ask you, what do you save from? I remember uh, someone in my family asked me, what do you save from? The outhouse? Well, it just, they didn't put it that mildly, but they put it a different way. Okay. Uh, what are the challenges of family, friends? Sometimes employment. And I remember years ago, this young man got saved at our church, and he drove a beer truck, and he felt like that uh, that he couldn't, as a Christian, really do that and honor the Lord, and so he gave up his job. Mm -hmm. Well, thankfully, God. <laughs> Provided another one, but that just one example of sometimes employment yes. becomes, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I worked with a guy who had that same issue. Mm -hmm. um, he worked for, uh, and, and he was afraid that the, 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 his employer would send him to a liquor store to buy liquor for the job, and uh, and so he quit his job. Yeah. Okay, so the challenge would be uh, friends. Family, employers, what are the challenges? <laughs> physical, what about physical abuse? Okay, when I worked at the bankers guy uh, that I worked with, he was a teller, both of us were tellers, 
and uh, and when he found like I'd say he would he would slap me. What? He would if he if he was walking past my, past my wicket, he'd slap me. ஒரு <laughs> <laughs> Because I know I I I I really doubt it when this fellow will get saved, huh? How long you getting slapped behind the head? <laughs> Quite a while. Quite a while. When I got saved, people could they were discussing say, "Boy, you know, some I heard I was going up the stairs one day to the to the staff lounge and I heard, you know, on the stairs on the other side of the wall, and I heard some 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 ladies in the lunchroom in the staff room say, "One of them said, "Boy, you know, I think Piers really got saved." You know, and I You never know people would discuss you like that, right? Uh but uh you have those challenges. Yeah. Uh we wanted to do a Bible study one time where a couple of us were Christians on the job and wanted to do a Bible study and and management told us no we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's one of the challenges. Okay, what what are the benefits? How would you describe uh not just the challenges, but how would you describe the benefits of following Christ? Uh, it's indescribable. Indescribable, okay. That's one way of putting it. You have a glory that you can't explain. And, uh, I, could, I could say to me, every day of my life, I am so excited that even the people around the market, Sister Brenda, they, they would have a different view of me. And I praise God because, let me tell you something, it's a challenge working in that market. Mm-hmm. And then what there's peace of mind, right? Yeah. You know that today or tomorrow if you die you would go to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. Today and what the world comes to an end, you would go to be with the Lord. Okay? So those are the, some of the benefits, right? Uh you can talk to the greatest person in the in the universe, the creator. You can take your your petitions to him. Cast all your cares upon him and you know that he's listening. You may go to a friend and talk to them about your problems, but they may be so preoccupied with something they may not even hear what you're saying. But you know that God is attentive to our petitions, right? So that's a big benefit. Okay, what's again the folk the point? Christ-centered living chooses invitation. Chooses invitation, not indifference. Okay, let's look at how we can flesh this out. Live it out. How can we live this out? Uh page 122. What steps can we take to be like Andrew this week? Consider the following suggestions. Say thanks. Who introduced you to Jesus? Call or write and express your gratitude to that person. Okay? If that person is still alive for me the person at at that uh I saw him the other day he had the the conference. Uh call him and say thanks. Okay? Uh make time. In your current schedule, what opportunities do you have to interact with people who are not Christians? If none, reevaluate how you can make room for those crucial introductions. And then thirdly, make the introduction. Are you confident enough in Jesus to introduce someone else to him? Think of one specific person who needs that introduction and resolve to make it when you see that person this week. Okay, so we got three points there. Say thanks, make time and make the introduction. Andrew, the active witness shows us that evangelism is nothing like selling cars. Instead, 
simply inviting others to see Jesus should be second nature to those who deeply love and treasure Christ.